You are listening to a CJTR podcast. Hello, listeners. It's Wednesday, and that means you're listening to Spoiler Alert. Today, we are packing up and heading out to the Overlook Hotel to talk about the process of turning human thought into books on film. That's right. Today, we're talking about the writers and how movies show them do what they do. A full Spoiler Alert is in effect, and real quick, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. Yes, it do. True. Yeah. True. I'm joined today by my co-host, Sean and Sonia. Hello, guys. Hello. I missed you. I was gone, and now I'm back. Red Ram. Yeah. <laughs> I've missed the both of you. Sweet Sean was flying solo with Christy last week, and they did amazing. Thank you. Oh, man. It I was mean, a very fun show. It feels like it's been an eternity, honestly. I feel like um, Christy might have uh, <laughs> rubbed many of our listeners. She came for everybody. Uh, she did. <laughs> Rubbed them in a good way or a bad way, Sean? Well, it's hard to say. Chafe. <laughs> she might have chafed a few. Slight chafing. Interesting. Well, we'll check the inbox and make sure everything is okay. It's exploding. Uh, this episode is not about writing movies, but instead how writers of books are depicted in films. We should also note that this episode is not about books that have been made into movies either, even though I just gave you a spoiler for one of those, but they're so prevalent you can't even blame me. And de- Depicting the act of making is what you make is also pretty common. So there's going to be some overlap. Well, Jack Torrance okay. was writing. He it's was true. A anyway, let's jump into it. I am going to start by once again doing a thing I love to do, which is categorizing a category. Mm-hmm. And I am going to lump these writing movies into two categories: ones that are made about real people, and not that. Not that. Yeah, because uh, that seems about pretty even. Which do you guys prefer? Do you want the one about, you know, someone you know, the telling of the story of the story, or do you want something new? I feel like I don't love uh, the story of the of an author, mm-hmm. because it's so rarely that they have anyone that they actually know. <laughs> it's just like this person from several hundred years ago that we're just going to make a, a cute story about, and like, you know... They don't have a ton to go on. Mm-hmm. Although, I the I don't know. It is very interesting because we were just talking about "Can You Ever Forgive Me," and the main character of that that the book that the movie is based around is a very interesting person, and it made me be like, I should research this woman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I needed to know about her. Yeah, I need to know more. Yeah. Well, I think a I think queer scammer. <laughs> I think there is sort of a. You know, a thing about a really good true story and the fact that there's always like a book and not necessarily that they make, I don't know, because they didn't make the book into a movie, but they kind of did because she wrote a book about what happened. Right. In the the case of Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah, I believe Can You Ever Forgive Me was the title of her memoir about it. Right. So, you know, this is very reflexive and who knows? Well, I mean, things happen in chronological order, but like the... I don't know, a movie depicting the writing of a book about the events of the movie is a a thing that happens a lot, actually. A lot, a lot. It's a turducken. <laughs> a film book turducken. It gets meta. A film book turducken. <laughs> so a film book... Mm-hmm. 
Sonia's not impressed. <laughs> Sonia, help me out here. I didn't get on the ground floor of this, uh, this like wordsmithing that we were doing, and so now I feel <laughs> I, I'm not in it. I'm trying to insert one of the other words into the other word. So and it's just film book. No, no, like, <laughs> like those are the like, two words that we're trying to switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a in a positive way, in a way that's as satisfying as turducken. <laughs> mm. Well, see, turducken has three parts. So I think it would be a more pleasing compound word mm-hmm. if we had an additional part other Book, than just film, two, biopic. two yeah. one-syllable words. I well, Maybe. I don't know. I'm not trying to make... I'm just working through the problem here. I'm not trying to make magic. <laughs> uh, <Phil. laughs> Tensions are high. Tensions are high over Phil this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yours is already better, right? Phil, yeah, well, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I'll no, workshop it. Okay, well, I'll take it to my creative writing class. <laughs> I'll get some really mean feedback, and some people will just be like, I like your use of metaphor, yeah. and that's all they'll say. And then we'll just go back to using Turducken. Correct. <laughs> is this how your creative writing class went? This is how every creative writing class goes. I liked your metaphors. <laughs> it's either like the most like surface level unhelpful criticism, or they'll just be like, "I liked it," or they like cut you to your very soul and say that they hate the things that you love the most. I took oh. one creative writing class and it went really well, but there was one story where a girl used she was using the word mural. But she kept calling him Muriel, but nobody, nor the professor or the students corrected her. And I was like, am I wrong? That <laughs> Is this a character? But I was like, no, she's referencing a mural, but nobody cleared it up. And then it was very awkward was she for like, me. Was she reading it aloud? Or yeah, like she's like, she was like, the beautiful Muriel showed this. <laughs> and maybe everyone was just truly not listening. Uh, maybe. That's probably another option. Oh, that's, that's very funny. funny. Anyway, I'm sorry to that girl for fracturing <laughs> things up. <laughs> Muriel, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sonia, what do you prefer? Do you like uh, uh, something based in real life, or do you want something? I like, I like both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic <laughs> me, um, because I do think that perhaps the depiction of a famous writer is slightly overdone, as we'll talk to talk about later. Mm-hmm. And there is this sort of like mythologization or like putting on a pedestal of these sort of like great writerly figures that Mm -hmm. happens um and so that can be frustrating but also sometimes you get um nicole kidman with facial prosthetics pretending to be virginia wolf and it's everything you needed you know so sometimes it's everything sometimes it's annoying and but then i do also think that sometimes um a a film writer can do uh more with um purely fiction yeah uh, in terms of what they're maybe saying about writing so i don't know i like both mm-hmm. okay what well, about no, you i think that's a good answer um i am kind of growing not bored is not the right word but weary of the sort of on pointness of mm-hmm. um the based on real life one and in tolkien or not which is how they pronounce his name apparently I correct didn't that's really correct know that but in that movie, I don't know if either of you have seen it, they really, like, hit on some points that, like, he admittedly said drove the fiction, but, like, it was way too... Like, at one point, they're at the war, and, like, some bombs go off, and, like, a, a literal face pops up for a moment in fire, and, like, that was, like, part of his creative process, mm. is that, like, that's what he saw in that. But Wait, it was a literal way, face? Like, it was way too literal. Yeah. Like, someone's like, face... It's well, no, it's not. It's, so it's like, like just a, like oh. it's just like 
eyes and a mouth, like, for a second. Got it. But it's just too much. Like, it's just, it's, and they do this a lot, like, Finding Neverland, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, it's like we're all sitting there waiting for, like, how's he going to figure out this part? And then they he execute sees, like, a boy yeah. jump off a cliff. Yeah, like, it's just, but uh, it hap it's just so common. And, you know, it's always like, oh. We're, you know, we're waiting for the thing that's coming, where well, it explains like, exactly how he thought up this idea, and maybe that's part of it, but I doubt that it was that cut and dry ever. That's like what's lame about, you know, music biopics also. Yeah, or like, absolutely. Well, songwriting, yeah. I guess, which just fits in, I would say. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. in Bohemian Rhapsody, the thing that stuck out the most was him just, like, hearing, like, someone saying, a, like, a line and being like, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And just, like... I, this sort of fake like inspiration of getting of writing a song mm -hmm. is just so awkward to watch. Well, I think it's just like a depiction of the creative process, and it's really not interesting. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting to say like to talk to someone and understand how they came about to something, but then it becomes an anecdote, and then an anecdote becomes, you know, some actor with a CGI face of fire that just doesn't really look like fire does not go sideways. That does not happen. Like it just doesn't work but it's and i guess the, it's a good point because in um rocket man they're much more sort of front forward about like this is not real it's just a depiction of and i think fantasy it, i think it worked better right I like I, th I think it you know knowing what it was and leaning into that was better than like i don't know trying to show us what they someone thinks this creative person saw yeah like trying to encapsulate inspiration mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i do think that's a like forever problem yeah. that you can't accurately depict the process yeah even in most of the films uh that are here it's just like someone sitting at a desk and being like yeah and they're like putting pen to paper mm -hmm. and it's like this is not very exciting yeah <laughs> but uh, anyway that's uh moving on What's your guys' favorite movie about writing? I have three. Well, wow. let's, 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 I love let's writing. I love writers. Um, and hate them also. Mm -hmm. um, mine's wow. a th so mine's a three-way tie between um, Stranger Than Fiction. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Beloved. Um, wait, where's my list? Oh, yeah. Midnight in Paris. Mm -hmm. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. I know. I, know. I didn't think you'd be into that. I know. For but, reasons. Oh, but, it's just... Uh, it's so many things. Like, I really love a lot of the modernists, and so those are, like, the people that he meets when he goes back in time, and it's just all these, like, really delicious and hilarious um, depictions of all these famous writerly figures mm -hmm. in ways that I think are really funny. Um, and then also The End of the Tour, which is um, a film about um, <clears throat> a writer named David Lipsky who spent several days with... Um, David Foster Wallace, who's a uh, famous American writer who committed suicide in the late mm -hmm. 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and he was he was just like a very um, complex, troubled person uh, for all of his life, and it made him a great writer. And um, this journalist, David Lipsky, spent several days with him, interviewing him after Infinite Jest came out, his uh, probably like most widely known mm -hmm. work. It's like a thousand-page book. Um 
and it it's just like uh it's it stars Jason Siegel as um David Foster Wallace and he does an absolutely incredible job and then Jesse Eisenberg as um the journalist who's interviewing him mm-hmm. and they just the whole film is basically them just having these long philosophical conversations about about David Foster Wallace and about writing and about being a human being and it's just like a very interesting uh, personification of this um, person whose writing I love very much. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So those are my three. Sure. Mm. Mm, I don't have a ton. I really enjoy Almost Famous. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like um, I don't know. I like that sort of Gonzo-y aspect of this kid just like going off and like being being a genius and <laughs> and then simultaneously becoming quite jaded um and another film i really like is wonder boys mm-hmm. i also really like the book but the film is good too and michael douglas is great very charming and it's like it's not a lot about his writing he's just as basically has writer's blog and then gets into mad capery uh with a bunch of other weirdo writers but it's a really it's a really fun fun film i like it mm-hmm. um have you guys seen as good as it gets yeah yeah oh my god uh, i, I think that's my film. number one and it's I, really good. i'm i'm sort of just being lazy and picking one of three just because i was but uh i really like and it's the problem is in a lot of movies there are a lot of writers that don't ever write anything the whole mm-hmm. time, and I think this kind of is leaning towards that category. But the the interaction between him, uh, so Jack Nicholson is the main character, and then Greg Kinnear plays his his neighbor, and who plays the? Um, it's not Helen. The waitress, Hunt. Holly Hunter. No. Oh wait, it is it's, Helen. It Helen, is Hunt, Helen Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah. mind. I was like, H um, H. <laughs> I was like, yeah. it's definitely not Helen. <laughs> uh, anyway, the interaction between the three of them is just so interesting, and every time I watch it, I. Like, it's just three very good actors being these people and having, like, unique relationships with each of them. And it's super funny and super dark and often sad. And I think it's great. Yeah, he's, like, such a prick. He's... (laughs) With with (laughs) a heart of gold. Yeah, like, it is so rough. And Greg Kinnear is also equally as interesting. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's a lot to say about, like... Because you know, like he gets robbed and beat up, and all these different things, and the way they kind of have to take care of each other, even though they all really don't want to, it's uh, it's really great. Anyway, that's my uh, that's my pick. Um, who plays his like his frantic like um, agent? Um, I haven't Kinnear. seen this movie in so long. Uh, um, Cuba Greg Kinnear's like Archer. Yeah, Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. Jr. plays yeah. this like manic agent that is like forces Jack Nicholson to look after his dog. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's I, I kind of looked this up um, briefly before this because I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Probably inappropriate, but maybe not. Same. Um, and I didn't realize he was a romance novelist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is very funny because he is grump. Zilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, there's just so many shots of Jack Nicholson wearing like glasses on the bridge of his nose mm-hmm. and like typing on a typewriter. And the whole, uh, like, he has OCD, which yeah. I, I mean, I I feel is depicted poorly, but hilariously. Yeah. Like, it just, everything seems incorrect. Yeah. However, I think he just had a lot of fun with it. I don't think you'd ever meet an individual who acts that way. I didn't understand. Ever, but- 
when I was a kid because he there's like a soap situation where he unwraps a bar of soap and then throws it out like mm-hmm. after he uses it and I could not wrap my head around it <laughs> and it's ridiculous uh, did you ever see did you guys watch Scrubs I love Scrubs uh, did you see it yeah do you Is remember it? <laughs> no no uh, but do you remember the, the scene with Michael J. Fox where he has to wash his hands and uh he keeps screwing it up, so he has to start over and over and over again. He's a surgeon. That was in Scrubs, wasn't it? I don't. I again haven't watched in a long time. I oh, feel okay. like I remember yeah. him doing a light switch thing. Okay, too. that was a much better depiction. Of him, <laughs> but it just it reminded me of it. It's a great scene. Look it up online. Michael okay. J. Fox Scrubs. Okay, it's uh, he really can act and brought that to the table. <laughs> I've actually been considering a Scrubs rewatch, so Would you knock you off the would you knock off that last season? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I even watched it the first time around. Oh, oh man. Is there only one season you should knock off? Yeah, there uh in the last season they switched the main characters to these new people because they wanted to restart the show. Uh, and it didn't work. Yes. It did not work. <laughs> At all. No. Uh, the younger Franco was one of the... Oh, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Oh. And uh, he just couldn't do it at that point in time. And there's a few other people who I've seen in things but don't know their names, probably because they were on the last season of Scrubs. <laughs> Did the janitor stay the same? Uh, yeah, he was still he okay. was on to the... Everyone stayed on. They were just going to slowly, uh, like, Grey's Anatomy it. Right. But I don't even know where, where that, that show was at. Wife of the show, Ellen, Ellen is a big fan of raise but she too has fallen off because after you know the 18th bomb threat i don't well, think right. they're the most unlucky people on the planet oh, i have said this time and time again there is no at some point you got to walk away from that hospital just like, like you just got to get burn it to the ground you're we either, obviously built it on a cursed ground <laughs> yeah you're either going to be the, the the title of the show or you're just going to die there's no there's no way out i remember once my old roommate loved watching Grey's Anatomy and I made a joke about like a ridiculous thing that could, that could happen in a hospital and she was like that didn't happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, like it's, it's there the, was a tiger actually right yeah. through the hospital I think the only thing is like a velociraptor going room to room I yeah. think that's the only thing they have they got like transported yet. back yeah. yet yeah Sean that's gonna <laughs> figure out a way to make it happen oh anyway alright you guys back to our back to the task at hand why do you think writer's block continuously comes up in these? Why is that the thing that they like to show in these movies? It happened in Stranger Than Fiction, happened in Barton Fink, happened in, I don't know, countless other titles. I what's, feel like what's it's the, a screenwriter that has writer's block. That's, and they're I, like, I'll write what I know. Well, yeah, in the case of Barton Fink, for sure, that was the Coen brothers dealing with writer's block, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because the phenomenon of someone who is very good at something suddenly losing their ability to do it is is deeply fascinating mm-hmm. um like you know they talk about like the yips in baseball so when uh i'm so proud of myself Sorry, right now what? for this sports <laughs> reference <laughs> so when you? someone gets the yips it's when they basically completely lose their ability to play in mm-hmm. out of the blue and it's purely psychological or that's horrifying yeah, yeah. um but it's i think it's like also I don't know. It's I'm having trouble articulating mm-hmm. it, I think, but because it is this truly immovable problem, mm-hmm. like because it's that thing of my brain needs to solve the problem, but the problem is my brain. Mm-hmm. I think that just holds so much fascination for us as human beings. Like that's sort of the 
eternal problem of like how do you figure out the mind with your mind mm. for me i think that's it and also it's an it's a very interesting thing to try and capture i think mm-hmm. and to try and portray um a big part of these also is like a lot of these films is someone that wrote a very successful first book and then has no inspiration for their second book mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. for their follow-up um which is like sort of this really I don't know, inherent imposter syndrome thing that I think everyone's fascinated by because basically everyone has it. Mm. Is you're like, um, I feel like I could write a really great book and then all of a sudden I'm out. <laughs> the sophomore slump. Yeah. What do you Second think, book blues. I don't know. I, I actually, I wrote this question and I was like, it's a good one because I don't know if I really have an answer because there are there is a pretty big sort of body of work that exists in people sort of getting to see how the Lord of the Rings was conceptualized, right? Like that's like, there's tons of these movies, but I would say equally, equally there is these movies where they don't actually do anything, right? Like writer's block is not writing. It's trying to continue to write. Maybe some people, I don't know. depends on the writer, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that it's, it might just be a real easy way to like, have some instigation of something different than what you expect. Right. Like, it's like the writing movies time travel. because mm, It's a you, device. Yeah, you can just, like, once you instigate it, you can do something completely different, and then it's okay because, you know, oh, he's smoking cigarettes naked on the top of this roof in winter because he's trying to get over his writer's block. You know, like that. It's It's funny, but, yeah, I think they just use it as, mm. like, a... Maybe like, a crutch, but like maybe, shorthand yeah. almost too, in yeah. terms of like easy characterization. It's mm-hmm. like this person's going through. It's like put yeah, putting people at like a stressful time of their life, which is why I feel like there's always like bride movies or things like that, where mm-hmm. it's like just a situation where things are going to be happening, and mm-hmm. you'll be at the end of your rope. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you guys, what's your favorite depiction of the writing process on film? God. I've got I've got two really good answers here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have one. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that I've ever seen a movie that fully captures it because again, it's actually so boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it actually is work. Mm-hmm. And I think in the same way that like it wouldn't be that interesting to watch a movie about someone just doing their job at an office. Mm-hmm. Watching someone like go through that process of writing is actually maybe not that interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched Colette this week, Mm. um, which is about um, a a lady named Sidonie Gabrielle Colette, a French author. um, And she she wrote a lot of books that were published under her husband's name. And then she eventually like, got the rights back and started publishing things under, under her name. She's a really interesting character. Um, she's played by Keira Knightley. But there's a lot of her writing process where he's just like, right. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And then he just like locks the door on her and she's like, Ugh. and then she just then flash forward a day and she's like, here's the book. Like that's, it's seemingly not really hard. She just is like, I just have to be locked in a room for a minute. That's mm-hmm. honestly kind of how I have to write. I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I have to trap myself into doing it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Um, okay. Well, here are my, they both cheated. That's how they accomplished what I'm laying out. So number one is Naked Lunch. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen Naked Lunch. 
as opposed to read. No, I've read it, but not seen um, it. Because it's pretty wild. Like, it's pretty, and it's it's another one of those cases where, at the end, the character is writing something that then becomes the book. And uh, it's so crazy, obviously. Um, the other one that's equally as crazy that you're probably more familiar with is Fear and Loathing. Mm. And I do wonder if, because his accounts of what happened are largely fiction, so I do wonder if that's more about what was going through his head than what actually happened. So I wonder if that's like, us, you know, us seeing what he is doing. Yeah. You know, more so than sort of a, a cut to, because in Fear and Loathing, he never writes anything. No. Right? He's not actively, but he is. Right? Mm. Like, like you don't see it, but like he's supposedly working and writing because, uh, hasn't Hunter S. Thompson even talked about how like he could not even remember some of the things that yeah. happened to him had he not? Yeah. Like, m- I don't think he took meticulous notes, but he created something that he could then write about. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, just this, like, absolutely crazy wild. So why is that your favorite? Uh, I think it, it just does a good job of illustrating, like, what, if he closed his eyes, I think that that's what he saw. So, like, the inner world. Yeah, like, mm, I, I think that's... Barton Fink is interesting that way, too. Yeah, that's true. But, again, that's more of a writer's block situation right but but that whole thing of like the life of the mind like the whole mm, the whole idea of the interiority of it yeah, i think is mm-hmm. is accurate and that's sort of what you're getting yeah, at, absolutely yeah. like that yeah that that actually what what's interesting is happening on the interior yeah mm, which, I like that. which there's like capote does a kind of good mm. way of this where yep. they're basically just like you know you see him do his interviews and his research and you so he's not actually writing but you can figure out what he's going to write by what his subject is telling mm-hmm. him and co- in compo- like he does so much work like oh, he's, he's like you know like he is like investigate like he's doing a job to kind of create this story and uh we should well capote is amazing and mm-hmm. philip seymour hoffman knocked it out of the park so good. so so many good performances in the mm-hmm. whole and uh I I didn't watch it for the show, but I think it might now. I like wrote some notes about it, but I was like, maybe I should go back now. God. Yeah, I should rewatch that. And his like, je- his jealousy of Harper Lee. <laughs> yeah, their friendship fascinates me. Yeah, it's insane. He's like, he's just so mad at her for for being successful before. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, you guys, I'm tired. It's time for a break. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't take a break. You need to write for it. We're going to go to a word from our sponsors. You've been listening to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Today we're talking about people writing books and movies. But first, do you guys know what time it is? I'm unclear. Me thinks, my lord, it's writing time. <laughs> I didn't expect that. It's game time. Bam, 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 bam. I'm, I miss that a lot. Oh, know? I should have done a typewriter sound. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Oh, that's fine. Uh, for those who don't know, if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend quite a bit of time this week looking for a title that these two have not seen. I tell them what I think. I tell them what the title is. They tell me what they think the wow, movie is. Wow, you're out of the game. This is, yeah. I'm just, I'm not out of the practice. Not, I lost my rhythm. Do you want to start over? No, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut this. Amber, cut this. We'll start again. Amber, please cut this out. <laughs> I tell them the title. They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. And we all have a good laugh. Are you two ready to play the game? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. This week's title is The Door in the Floor. 
Door on the floor. Door on the floor. This sounds fun. <laughs> um, okay. I believe that The Door on the Floor is about a writer who becomes very famous for his talent of entering a room and then um, <laughs> mere eight hours later exiting with a fully written novel. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody even needs to edit it. It's perfect. But then he gets busted because he's keeping a team of writers uh, in the door in the floor. <laughs> and a thousand monkeys. Yeah, and they're all writing furiously uh, to create um, the novel. So then he has a fall from grace. I like that. That's wow. what it's about. I think the door in the floor is about an unassuming homemaker named Debbie who <laughs> everyone in her life just assumes just thinks they know exactly who Debbie is, what Debbie is, and, you know, she's kind of a doormat. She's, like, so nice. Her whole world, or so people think, is, like, catering to her husband and children. And then one day, Debbie discovers a secret basement on her home, a secret cellar. Mm-hmm. There's a door on the door floor. Right and she decides, she actually has just been doing some reading of Virginia Woolf, and she says, ah, a room of one's own. I've found mine. And so she becomes a, a secret writer, and she actually finds great commercial success, but she writes under a pseudonym, and um, no one knows it's her. Oh. And then probably in the third act, she gets discovered, I guess, okay. for some conflict. Right. But like years later kind of thing? Like maybe after, yeah, like, a like few a, years of this. She's or published like a, a couple like a books. Full, successful twenty year career kind of situation. No, I think it's like I think it's like it starts happening, she maybe gets some early success mm-hmm. and then, you know, people are starting to notice that things are amiss and then it's sort of like building up to people discovering her. I like you. Go Debbie. Go, Go Debbie. Debbie. Wow. Um those were both really good. You guys both went the wrong way mm. with it, which is fine. Too wow. literal. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Just, just cheer, <laughs> cheerful in any way, shape, or form. Oh. Uh, no. So the door on the floor is 2004 American comedy drama film. I put a question mark. Comedy. After that. Okay. I die. Um, it stars uh, Jeff Bridges and Kim Bassinger. Ooh. <laughs> I love me some Kim. Um, and Bassinger. I believe Dakota L. Fanning is also in it, but she was not. Uh, the biggest deal in 2004. Um, it's this kind of crazy movie about a couple of affairs, and Jeff Bridges plays a a writer who is like going through a crisis because uh, he he and his wife Kim Bassinger. Uh, I will I will say Bassinger <laughs> okay, for the rest okay, of my okay. life. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we're like uh, anyway. They had three kids. Two of them died in this accident that they were maybe responsible for. He is a children's author, and Whoa. yeah, it's supposed to be funny. But I just when I watched it, it's very good, but it's incredibly sad. And yeah, uh, it doesn't sound like any. Anyway, is the door in the floor a grave? At the very end, he gets in the door of the floor, and you don't know what it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa! Anyway, it's pretty good. It's uh, there's some good stuff going on. Um, it's interesting. It's pretty weird. But uh, what, you, it should be checked What was out. the accident? Spoiler alert. Uh, it, was a, it was a vehicle accident. It was just a car accident. And they were, like, drunk or something? The, the parents were, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dark, <gasps> yes. Don't drink and drive. And then they blame themselves for the rest of the, the movie. Well, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but uh, some amazing performances. Mimi Rogers in it, also very good. It's, it's a super great. Mimi. 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> the game is uh, brought to you by the Kramer IMAX Theater, the biggest theater in town. Oh. Uh, the Kramer IMAX Theater at the Saskatchewan Science Center. And, uh, yeah. I'm so excited for this new sponsor. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Thank you, IMAX. Thank you, IMAX. Yeah. We I love your educational to... films and also your other films. Yeah. I know. I love going to see, uh, like, a flash, a TBT film. Mm-hmm. Get some, some buy some licensed drinks. <laughs> Did either of you go see 2001 A Space Odyssey at the IMAX? I could no, not. My friend went. That's similar. But that would have been amazing. It, prob- it would have been. It blew my mind. All right, you guys. We're talking about movies about writing. We're getting into it. We played a little game. We're having a great show. Guys. <laughs> Thanks for that recap. Wow. <laughs> Do you think, like, on- honestly. Yeah. Do we need a biopic movie, another one of another writer doing something, or are we over it? If they discover um, an interesting person whose story hasn't been told, I mm-hmm. would like to hear it. I would love a Toni Morrison really? biopic. She just died recently. Rest in rest in power, Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. One of our the great, the truly, maybe the best writer of our time. Maybe. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. We all know how I do when I try and pick favorites. <laughs> but <laughs> favorite she had writer. a very sad and challenging but interesting life. And I think the right person would need to make it. Yeah. It couldn't be a Harriet Tubman situation where... Oh, my God. <laughs> do you guys hear about this? Yeah. Yes. So for listeners out there who don't know, the screenwriter of the <laughs> new Harriet Tubman biopic that's in the works uh, said that when she first pitched the films to the studios... The executives wanted her to wanted to cast Julia Roberts as Harriet Tubman. It's a bold choice. You know Which what? Like, Famous escaped slave and f- emancipator of many slaves. This is like um, enslaved people. I, I think she say. could have done it. I think she could have done it. She would have had to just. wear like a golem suit. <laughs> so just high tech black. Oh my or? god! It's just yes. This that would have like been so bad. This is like a beaver headline. Yeah, it's true. Beaver it's one of those headline. things where you're like, oh, this is the onion. No, yeah. it's real. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, we can't have Julia Roberts playing Toni Morrison, but <laughs> someone else. Julia Roberts needs to get cast in something else, but you know, Toni Morrison's still up for grabs. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I'm into. I'm into new stories. Mm. Same. I don't need to see like a sh- new Shakespeare or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. But I mean, it was already perfected with Shakespeare and Love. Oh, <laughs> was it? Was it? No, but okay. I do enjoy that dramatization of the writing process. Oh, just for the sheer like drama, the codpiecery of it all. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's a step too far. It, it is. Okay, uh, so as I long still, as we can all, we all know that, that I like that. That's totally mm-hmm. fine. Um, okay. Do you think that this this type of movie is just dominated by the fact that audience audiences want to know the story behind the story? I think Tolkien comes up here, and I think Capote fits in this category mm-hmm. as well. It's a great story, especially for Capote. Like, learning about his relationship with the people he was writing about and the people who were sort of working with him or against him and the way those all work together. Like, it, it was very dynamic, especially mm-hmm. on as portrayed as it was by all of the actors. But do you think it's just like, man, I really, really want to know how Dune got made. Like, do you think that's the attitude? I don't know or, if a lot of people are this, like, into l- literature, honestly. Yeah, no. Like, the broader the broader people. I think, I think it has more to do with our obsession with, as I said before, these, like, figures mm. and what they represent. And more, and maybe even more so, like, 
them as sort of ciphers for Mm -hmm. humanity. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's one of the things writers do Mm -hmm. is that um, they clear they they reveal things about humanity and are, and like filter the world for us and i think in terms of the sort of characters of great writers um we really do like mythologize that mm-hmm. and i think people are are sort of fascinated by that in the same way that they are with like a rock star mm-hmm. or a you know famous actor no sure i don't so. know um okay i'm going to ask the same question but in more of a meta way mm-hmm. so uh do you think the amount of reflexivity in these le- like lends itself to becoming a film so so many of them misery is a good example mm. just because it's about the making of the making of about the making right like it's mm. writers love to put writing in their stories right so stephen king writes a book about a writer in this situation and it's kind of a bit about like write what you know but this would be nuts mm-hmm. but then when it gets made into a film like what like what has happened there you know, like, is it a process, like, folding in on itself, like, showing, you know, the character in, again, James Conn in Misery, like, how much of that is Stephen King, sort of like, this kind of thing happened to me once, and it was just a maid who was friendly, but wouldn't it have been crazy if she was nuts and locked me up? Uh, do you got, what do you think? I... I like this kind of meta stuff mm-hmm. and and the reflexivity of it. Um, it can, I think, err on the side of the cliche. Yeah. Um, one of the movies that I watched this week was The Wife from last year, um, which I watched like part of last year, and then the stream that I was watching <laughs> crapped out, so I didn't finish it. Oh no! So I finally finished it. Um, what happens? And that movie was kind of hurting my brain because it's sort of like, okay, wait, I took a note that I need to unravel this thought, um, but now I can't find it. Oh, it's like, so it's a criticism of cliches around Mm -hmm. writing and writers that then the movie itself becomes Uh kind of cliche. And then, but then Joan, the main character played by Glenn Close it almost becomes this like aware character yeah. who's straining against the cliche both of the movie mm-hmm. itself and of the cliches that they're like commenting on yeah. but this is com- this is very like it, yeah. it happens in naked lunch totally um it comes up all the time and it's like about the it's the wink to the camera that like we understand that we've you know looped into ourselves a bunch of times but why? Yeah, I didn't you know? really know. I didn't understand why we ended like that in The Wife. I didn't really understand. <laughs> when, okay, spoiler alert. So yeah. when he dies? So, yeah, The Wife is basically about um, a woman whose husband is being given a literary achievement. The Nobel Prize. Oh, right. Okay. For literature. <laughs> it's, 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 a it's a big one. It's a minor it's a, prize. It's a big one. Australia. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. And she... But... You find out in a bit that she has secretly been doing his writing for years. Like all of it. All of mm-hmm. it. Um, and so it's her Nobel Prize. But she's so, qu- it's a, so quiet. Her performance is so quiet. Until it's not. Until it's not. And then after they have a huge blowout where she basically is like, I deserve this prize. You're uh, the worst. I'm he, leaving you. I'm leaving you. He has a heart attack. He dies. And then she decides to not fess up. Well, she decides to not fess up publicly, but she tells her kids. 
which I think is interesting. She tells me. Yeah, so they're on, so her, okay, so basically there's this journalist who is obsessed with her husband, Joe Castleman, and he's gonna, he's decided he's gonna write a book about him. And this journalist, like, people have figured out that yeah. it's, that she's written the book. Some, mm-hmm. like, some, some, you know, obscure literary yeah. critics. Um, and so he confronts her about it and she sort of, admits to it and then he tells her son and her the son and the dad there's this whole complex relationship there but he basically confronts her about it and she denies it and then after joe castleman dies and the last scene is um she and the son flying home and uh the biographer comes to to speak to her and she basically says no it was you were totally wrong if you say anything i'll sue the pants off you and then as soon as he walks away, she turns to her son and says, as soon as we get home, I want to tell you and your sister everything. Mm. So it's interesting because she privately acknowledges it, but publicly doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just felt weirdly unnecessarily weird for her to be so controlling of her husband's image after that. It was just, uh, I was I didn't know where we left off. Also, that son is annoying yeah terrible <laughs> and, and not a very i don't know why she character. told him because i don't care about you she loves him but i guess she did i think it's it, it's an interesting look at mm-hmm. what a what a writer wants out of their writing do you, do you think it's at least at the movie level i'm not going to talk about the book but the sort of wink to the camera and acknowledgement that they are in control is avoiding that cliche you know like avoiding the just another person writing about what they know and spewing it out there but like oh you know i've thought about what i'm doing here and i want everyone to be aware of it kind of thing well i think the other thing about that movie like part of what makes that movie cliche Mm -hmm. is also the roles of a woman doing the work and a man taking credit for Mm -hmm. it which has come up in a lot of films yeah in colette as as we were saying um but and then her like quiet resentment about it and that building up and so i think in some ways yes like mm-hmm. the the acknowledgement of that looping around and the meta-ness of it like does sort of circumvent it being a cliche but it still remains a lot of it still remains cliche i think mm-hmm. i don't know it's but then also it was like double meta in that it was during a season where Glenn Close has not been awarded any sort right. of best actress at all, <laughs> and she was, and she still didn't win it. Or wait, did she? No, no she, she won didn't. a Golden Globe, I think. Right, and she still didn't win best actress. But the movie is about her going and like, yeah, n- people being nominated for awards that she should totally be mm-hmm. actually winning. Mm-hmm. Very, but very yeah, triple meta. meta. I like, I like when stuff's meta. Yeah. I like that. Well, there you go, guys. Do you, Do you guys? Uh, I'm like, I feel like I've been talking for 20 minutes. Only when it's been done well. Mm. Like that's, you know, that if, if you can, you know, keep it entertaining and keep it as opposed to like, you know, just sort of copying or really copying out on story for, you know, some sort of, uh, what I can't say this word, synecdoche, New York. Yeah. Uh, is that the word? Yeah. Um, I felt. (laughs) That's not about writing, but I thought it was so self-serving that it lost it for me. Like, the reflexivity of the thing of, like, him building the world in the world. What's that? No, in the movie, Synecdoche. Oh, oh, Synecdoche. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) um, Which is, again, about the creative process. It's about a 
I think he's making a play, or a, and then eventually, he it gets so complex. Have you guys seen this? It's wild. No. It, it create he creates a whole world within the world, and then in that world they're starting to put on the play. Like it's it 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 gets nuts. It's not. It's it's very weird and surreal and crazy, but it's about this guy getting lost in his own head, basically. Um, but by the end of it, you're like, we get it. Like we understand that you are having trouble, sir. It's another Philip Seymour Hoffman. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just felt really like we don't know how to end this, so he's just gonna get lost. And yeah, and that's not exactly how it ends, but that's how I feel like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway. Comparing things to things. Guys, we're out of time. Uh, uh, we have, well, that's not true. We're out of time for talking about writers. We do have time for What You Watching. Whee! What You Watching. Sure, you guys you probably have a lot going on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a lot. Yeah, Same. I'll yeah. breeze through mine. Um, I, was, I have become infatuated with a little show called Interior Design Masters. <laughs> Cute. Um, it's a British show about 10 interior designers. Is it a competition show? It's a competition show. I'm a walk show. out of this booth. No, but Jeremy, don't walk out. But they're competing for a job, and it's British, so it's very oh, cute. pastoral and nice. Um, and it's just, like, relaxing. It's beautiful. Every every designer has a really great point of view and they just like you know there's like s- minimal stress they're like redoing a redesigning a dorm room or like things like that and it's just and then when they leave they're just like thanks guys see you later like it's not a very Thank dramatic you. thing and like the judge that kicks them off she has no she doesn't make any sort of drama about it she just like asks them each a few questions and she's like okay goodbye karen and it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very chill reality show, and um, it's just looking at some really beautiful rooms. Oh, Ooh, I like a, that. There's a an interior British countryside cottage that will blow your socks how, off. How gaudy can the wallpaper get, Sean? There's a lot of wallpaper usage, and it made me feel like we should all be using wallpaper. Full disclosure: I really like wallpaper. Mm. Yeah, it made yeah. it made wallpaper look amazing, but it also. I feel like in any other unskilled hand would be a nightmare to assemble. Mm. And I'm unskilled, so (laughs) it could be a problem. Cool. What about you guys? Well, I caved and subscribed to Disney Plus to find out what the fuss is about. And if you'll excuse me, I would like to climb on my soapbox for a second and say, Uh Disney, you're one of the biggest companies on earth. You're out here trying to create an evil media monopoly, and you still can't design an app that works. Oh, it's It's bad. It crashes. Oh my! It doesn't tell. It doesn't let you resume where you are watching on an episode. Really? They only just added the continue watching feature. Otherwise, you had to go in and find the thing you were watching if you're watching a series. It's a bold choice. Oh my god! When you go on to a series, it just default takes you to season one this instead is, of the season you were no, watching. This, this, There's no excuse for this I'm in 2019. Is not okay. It's this, not yeah, okay. Not, you guys, especially if you're a company the size and the money of Disney. No, Anna is. I is plucked. I can, I, can, <laughs> I'm plucked. I, I can see the poster of this of the movie they make twenty years about you suing the Disney Corporation. Me against Disney. I, yeah. And am I giving them eight bucks a month now that my free week is up? Yes, I am because <laughs> they only give you a free week. Everyone else yeah, gives a week. free month. I know. Oh. Because I'm doing a watch through of two wholesome family sitcoms, Boy Meets World and The Simpsons. 
and it is so good. Oh my so god, you're watching me. The Simpsons? Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, how far are you gonna take that? I'm gonna watch all of it. I mean, after season twelve, you're just wasting your no, time. No, I gotta, I gotta know. Okay. Did you start from one? Yeah, Dang. it's all there, and so you know. And I'm really, really, I'm in the heyday right now because I'm on like season three. Right. So mm-hmm. things are really getting good. And it's all the ones that I remember from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, anything beyond season 12, I probably haven't seen. But I also have been watching, um, more recently, I've been watching Boy Meets World. And you guys, that show is so good. How is it so good? Did it shouldn't meet, be. Did you meet World yet? Yeah, well, yeah, the whole time. <laughs> Every episode, Every episode he, he learns he a lesson. Face, face with World. Fine. Anyway. Wow. So that's just me. That's fine. So I'm trying to get through those fast so I can stop giving Disney my eight dollars. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, a little thing that came up while I was gone called Porous, mm. uh, which was oh, I've heard of Porous created and formulated by many folks, but mainly uh, our very own Amber Goodwin. Yeah. Well, technically, it's Amber Goodwin's. Uh, Alter ego, natural sympathies. Well, it's true, but they're not the same person. I understand no. that. And it's like calling Beyonce Sasha Fierce. Exactly. It's oh, a okay. ridiculous well, misstep. <laughs> yeah, you should honestly be pretty embarrassed right now. Fair enough. Faux pas aside, issue a retraction. Um, <laughs> Amber, cut that out. <laughs> natural sympathy, sympathies has cut recently <laughs> released uh, a nine-song album, I believe, with uh, nine films attached to said album mm-hmm. that were released uh, at some big shindig and then slowly online and finally all in one big huge video that you can watch on YouTube. And uh, it's some pretty crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. at that little shindig. Yeah. I was wearing a real sassy outfit. And Ooh. I saw it. Um, and it was so great. There was a huge amount of snappily dressed people. Mm-hmm. And it was a really fun party. Yeah. Um, and... Watching wise, uh, I think it honestly has one of the most satisfying endings I have ever seen to sort of a music video. She just crawls in that story. door on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Debbie. No, Spaceship in the Garage is way much better than the door on the, door on the floor. But um, yeah, everyone check it out. It's pretty good stuff, made super locally by all these different directors around town. And uh, it's great to see. It's wonderful stuff. And anytime you get a chance to see Natural Sympathies live is also mm-hmm. a great time. Treat yourself. Treat the, whole, yourself. the whole thing was very uh, David Lynch, 85 mm-hmm. David Lynch, and I was I was into it the whole time. It's crazy. Wow, Jerry, that's so surprising. It's, it's, I, like who 85 David Lynch. Who, that's who, shocking. Who would have known? Except <laughs> for everyone thought? in the booth. <laughs> and most of the people who listen. Maybe, I think Who've so, listened yeah. to like that's, more than two seems, episodes. Yeah. Um, you guys want to talk about anything else? I got stuff. I thought you had one. I got many things, but I thought we were going around. Wow, you've been you've been gone for two weeks. All right, you you guys, give us what you've been. Okay, we need to talk about something called How to Train Your Dragon. (laughs) I'd love to. Have you guys seen these? I've seen the first one. No, well, I know the I know the things phase. I know the dragons. Yeah, toothless. So there, there are three movies that they have put together and buttoned up. And within the movies, so between them, there are literally 12 seasons of show. Whoa. Okay. I have not waited through all of this. But Wife of the Show and I have watched all three movies. Uh-huh. And they are so good. Mm. Holy cow. When they wrap up the... So, like, the first one's, like, kind of standalone, as is the second. But the third really kind of, like, ties the whole thing together. And you get to see Hiccup grow old and have kids and all this kind of stuff. It is super satisfying. The music is so good. Oh yeah! Holy is a cow! Named Hiccup. 
Yeah, that's his, that's his name because <laughs> he's so cute. When you're a Viking, you give uh, you give yourself a, a a a lame name so that monsters don't seek you out. Oh, so he's Hiccup. Anyway, um, that's what that's what they're saying. <laughs> they also have, as a resident <laughs> Nordic expert in the room. <laughs> oh, they're not they're not from there, but uh, no, I know. Yeah, um, the other thing that I have to talk about because I can't shut up about it is this new Watchmen show. Oh, it's is so good. so mm. good. Holy cow. Did you see that on Sunday? I've only seen the first episode. Oh, Sonya. Is it, this what Baby Yoda's from? No, <laughs> but we stand Baby Yoda no, in this house. No, no, no spoilers. I haven't watched it yet. I need to wait okay, until well, it's out. Okay, well, there's a Baby Yoda. I know. I need to wait till it's out. And he's so, cute. <laughs> he's really I've cute. He's got a little coat on. <laughs> I need to wait till it's done. So I can get the free trial and watch it all in that week. Yeah. That's my plan. Well, don't expect it to be are, easy. Yeah, you yeah. guys are really relying on this free week. Oh, man. But uh, everyone, read Watchmen the comic and then watch the show because it is a master class on how to adapt a thing to TV. And, oh, my God, it is so good. There's, I wish, I can't spoil it. I cannot. No, don't. Yeah, it's... <sighs> There are things I have never even conceived of happening on this show. Wow. And they are brilliantly executed and performed so well with so much care and thought. It is super good. Three episodes left, three weeks before, and I don't know if they're going to make more. They don't know if they're going to make more because Mm. it took them so long to write this. Anyway, it's great. And they're just doing it week by week? Yep, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I fell into that trap, and I will mm-hmm. never do it again. I hate it so much. <laughs> Doesn't it remind you of old times? Oh my god, it's so terrible. Waiting for things to come out. You got like so doofuses. Used, I got Ugh. so used to binge watching, and I not know. even binge watching, just watching things in order, like as they would yeah. come out and happen. Anyway, <sighs> you guys, crazy. You have thirty seconds for a quick what you watching. Are we good to go? Uh, oh, I'm also back on the 90 Day Fiance train. Oh, my God. <laughs> because one of my favorite podcasters just started a, a recap podcast slash game show called 420 Day Fiance, where he and his co-host <laughs> get really stoned and talk about it, and it's really who's fun. Your, who's your favorite podcast? Um, it's, his name is Miles Gray. He mm. co-hosts a show called The Daily Zeitgeist. Mm. If you're looking for a show uh, about American culture and news that's palatable, and from a left-leaning perspective, that's a good one. All right. There you go. All right. That's all the time we have. Sorry, Sean. I'd like to give a shout out to the Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, my co hosts, Sonia and Sean, everyone here at CJTR, and to our listeners. Spoiler alert is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m. and rebroadcast Thursdays at noon. Noon. It's a, my <laughs> note says Thursdays at time because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and is available Insert as a time. podcast on CJTR's website. We're on Twitter at Spoiler Alert YQR and Instagram Spoiler Alert at at Spoiler Alert CJTR. My Electric is coming up next. Bye. Bye. See you next week.